Bible, please, to the book of Philippians, chapter number 1. If you haven't opened there already, Philippians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 9 through 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and let's stand together. It's a short passage, so let's read these verses, uh, all three of these verses. Let's read it not just once, but twice, all right? Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Ready? And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, please speak to our hearts this morning. You've already met and moved among us, and we praise you for that. We have a a large burden to bear this afternoon, and we're excited about that and and, uh, prayerfully ready for it. But now we focus on your word, and I pray that you would use it today to accomplish in our hearts exactly what you want to accomplish. Move and steer the message, please. Father, I yield myself To you, I am a person of planning and preparation, and sometimes I can be un, uh, well, I can be too stubborn to, to be steered, but I submit myself to you, and I pray that if you would want to steer this direction, this message in one direction or the other, that you would have liberty to do that. Please work among us, I pray, in Christ's name, amen. Be seated, please. It's very evident As you read the book of Philippians, that Paul loved the people in this church. Paul planted the church in Philippi on his second missionary journey. And if you read the book of Acts and you see the description of Paul's missionary journeys, you see story after story. And that famous story of the Philippian jailer who who said, What must I do to be saved? And Paul said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Don't ever forget that he and his family became founding members of this church in Philippi to whom the book of Philippians is written. This lady named Lydia and other people in Acts chapter 16, these are founding members of the church of Philippi. And this is many years later. This letter is written late in Paul's life. Some believe that it is the last letter that Paul penned. But it definitely was written later in Paul's ministry, and they had a very special place in Paul's life. In the passage that we just read, Paul's telling these people that there's some things that he regularly prays for God to do in their lives. Listen, how you pray for the people that you love will have a great impact in their lives. You should prayerfully consider, especially the people who are closest to you, that you love, that you're your family members, your friends, the people who are dearest to you. I would recommend that you prayerfully consider what to ask God to do in their lives every day. Obviously, if they're not saved, you want to pray every day for God to save them. But your children, for example. I've never prayed for my children to be rich. I've never prayed for them to be prosperous. But there are prosperous, you know, uh, as far as, as worldly ambition goes. But there are some things specifically over the years that I have prayed for God to do. And to His glory, I have watched Him 
do those things in their lives. Not specifics as in, uh, God, this is exactly the, the detail that I want you to fulfill in their life. You know, please let them own this kind of car. And please, no, not, not, the, not in any way. Specifics. I'm ta- okay, I'll give you one. That is something I've prayed for my wife and my children for years. God, protect their heart. Protect their heart. And I go into specifics of things that I want to, him to protect. And it's amazing as they have gone through various circumstances in their lives how God has protected their hearts. I'm saying how you pray for the people that you love will have a huge impact on their lives in the long term. So I would ask you to prayerfully consider not just, you know, it's one thing to, to say that, uh, you know, I pray for you every day. That's, that's great. But if you want to go beyond just calling a name, ask God, especially the people closest to you, specifically, God, would you do this for them? God, would you help them to, to, to be this kind of a Christian or this kind of a person? How you pray for the people that you love is very, very important. And Paul describes here four things in the lives of the people in the church of Philippi that he prayed for, and I want to give them to you quickly. And this, this morning, I cannot say that these are four things that I pray for you for every single day. But I can tell you for sure these are four things that I would love to see God do in your life. I would love to see God do these things in my life. And uh, certainly this morning, this is my prayer for you, these four things. He said, first of all, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. First of all, he says, I pray that God would give you growing love. We are sadly under the impression that once you have love, that's it, you're all set. No. As we grow in life, our love has to grow. And it's very important that that you remember the principle, grow or die. Now, that is a business principle, but before it's a business principle, it is a life principle. Grow or die. If you don't grow spiritually, you are dying spiritually. And as you grow in any other area of your Christian walk, you must be growing in love. And Paul said, I pray that you would abound yet more and more. Oh, my prayer for you moms and dads is that you would learn more about how to love your children. I'm all set there. You can't teach me anything. I didn't say I was trying to teach you anything. I was saying that I pray that God would teach you how to love your children more and more. Don't be so defensive and, and uh, know-it-all that, that you think, the, oh, pastor's trying to tell me what an, what an expert he No, I'm not. I'm telling you that I pray that you would let God teach you as I want to let God teach me how to love your children, that you would abound in love more and more. I would hope that I'm a better father and that I can love more as a father at age 49 that I did at age 28, right? Am I doing the math there? 28, when, when uh, I first became a father. I hope I love better today than I did then. 
I want to, and by the way, I hope I'm better at loving as a father a year from now than I am right now. I want to abound more and more. I hope I love better as a husband now than I did on August 15th. 1992, I got that math down. Uh, August 19, uh, 15th, 1992. I hope I love better today than I did back then. And I pray, as Paul did, I pray that you and I would abound more and more in our love for our spouses. He said, this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. And he says, in knowledge and in all judgment. See, not only is he saying, I pray that you'd love God more. I pray that you would learn how to love your family more. I pray that you love how to uh, learn how to love one another more. I pray that you learn how to love the lost world more. But he's saying, I pray that your love will increase with your knowledge. Now listen, what does that mean? I hope every person in this room has grown in knowledge since the last time we were together. For some of you, the last time we were together was, was last Sunday morning. For some of you, the last time we were together was last Sunday night. For others of you, the last time we were together was last Wednesday night. For some of you still, the last time we were together was last night. Even if last night was the last time we were together, I hope you've grown in knowledge since then. I hope you're growing in knowledge every single day. But here's the thing. There is a natural tendency that when you grow in knowledge that your love for people suffers. Part of it is a matter of pride. We become prideful at how knowledgeable we are. Part of it is our our increase in knowledge of human nature. You learn more about how people are, and it's very easy to fall prey to the temptation of loving people less once you find out, wow, that's, that's what people do, and that's why they do that. So God gives you insight into people's weaknesses, and it, he's going to do that as you get older, as you grow in knowledge. He's going to do that. If you're not careful, you'll love less. There's a temptation as you you grow and as you increase in knowledge, there's a temptation to either compromise love for knowledge or to compromise knowledge or truth. And by the way, knowledge of that which is not true is not knowledge, it's, it's ignorance. That's an important point. You can get educated in error. You're not knowledgeable. You're just dumber than you were before. That makes sense? If you go to school for four years and you went to the... And I'm not, I'm not to criticize it. I'm using an extreme example. If you went to the University of Lies for four years, and for four years all you learned was error, 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 are you more knowledgeable? Well... You're more knowledgeable in error. But no, if I have to give a verdict on whether or not you're more knowledgeable, no, I would not say you're more knowledgeable. So knowledge implies truth. If you're, if you're learning error, you're not getting more knowledge. So anyway, 
There is a tendency that as you improve and increase in your knowledge of truth, you guys all right? All right. There is a tendency that as you increase in your knowledge of truth, that either in order to continue to love like you used to love, you compromise the truth, or because you become so devoted to truth that you let go of your love. One or the other is compromised. I wish I had time to go into details and specifics on that. That's literally an entire message that I could preach. But suffice it to say that the more you grow in knowledge, the more you are tempted to either compromise knowledge or compromise love. And Paul says, I pray that your love would abound. Hey, Eddie, do me a favor. Just stay right there by Brother Freddie. I'm almost done in a couple minutes, all right? Stay right there by Brother Freddie. I know he smells, but that's okay. it's, It's okay. You stay right there by him. Paul said, I pray that as you abound more and more in knowledge, that you will still abound more and more in in truth. I've said this on Sunday nights as we have studied some pretty heavy things, matters of theology. I say at the beginning of every uh, study and at the end of every study, any study that decreases your burden for souls and your passion for Christ is not healthy. It's not productive. So you must on purpose make sure that your love for God stays passionate as your knowledge grows. So Paul says, I pray that your love would abound more and more in knowledge. But he also says in judgment. Now what is that in all judgment? What does that mean? Judgment in this context is decision-making. The longer you live, the more life forces you to make difficult decisions. Give an example. All right, your kids are uh, 10, 11, 12 years old. And you notice that some friend that they've had for a few years does some things that you don't want your kids doing uses some language that you don't want your kids using, participates in some forms of entertainment that you don't want your kids to to have anything to do with. How many of you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Two of you. That's good. (laughs) The rest of you, your kids are the ones we're worried about. But anyway. (laughs) And so you you have to make some tough decisions. You have to make a judgment call. You, and you, you try to do it delicately. You don't just lower the boom and say, that's it, <laughs> we're moving. So you well, there's going to be idiots the next place you live too. No, you do it delicately. Now, uh, I want you to understand, you say to your child, you don't approach the other parents, you, you say to your child, I want you to understand that uh, you're, I'm going to not allow you to spend as much time with so-and-so as you did, and here's why. You know we're not for this. You know we don't do this. You know we don't talk like that. You know we don't go to those places. And by the way, if you have won your child's heart, they'll be okay with that. They may protest a tiny little bit. But if you have won their heart, which is part of your job, they'll be okay with that. So you had to make a judgment call. But now here's the tricky part. You still need to genuinely love your child's friend. 
You still need to genuinely love your child's friend's family. And again, one of the traps we fall into is that when life forces us to make a judgment call, he said, in all judgment. Hey, folks, you, you can, we can you know, buy into the millennial line all we want to. Stop judging me. That's everybody's favorite. Stop. Don't judge me. Uh, but in all judgment means something. It means that life forces us to make some decisions. But when we make those decisions, we must not stop loving. It's a tricky thing. So he said, my first prayer for you is that you would grow in, in love. The second part of his prayer, he said, I pray that God would give you high standards. Oh, no! Pastor said standards were go were that's legalistic. Oh, calm down, calm down. It says that ye may approve things that are excellent. We are we live in a society of not just lowering standards. Standards are gone. Nothing's right or wrong anymore. It's all about. How you feel. I watched an interview the other night. You may have seen the same interview. Where a guy had a discussion with a man. A guy that personally, I think if I was going to debate anybody in the planet, it wouldn't be this guy. He just, he's, he's, he's incredible. And he was taking the position that uh, the, the, the debater, the guy whose show it was, was taking the, the position that... Your body defines whether you're male or female, not your feelings. And he had a guest on who insisted that, no, if, if, I, if, if I may have the body of a male, but if I feel female, I get to be female. And I watched, and the guy just totally made a fool of himself. But here's the thing, as I sat there, I thought, there's people all around us who believe what, the, what this guy thinks. I would dare say there's folks sitting right here that you yourself has been deceived by this nonsense. By the way, not only is it nonsense, it is a shaking of your fist in the face of your creator. It's worse than a shaking of a fist, but I'm going I'm to spare the sign language. In the face of God. You, we must not cave to this foolishness. So. But the places. Where Christians cave. There, I got to warn you. There are a few Christian groups out there. That are buying into that too. And be careful because they write books and we, we, we buy those books and we have our little, our little small groups and we all oh, brothers, professor, doctor, so-and-so, and he's promoting this same gender nonsense. Be careful. But most Christians aren't caving to that yet. Give us another five years. We're caving on other stuff and I simply want to 
say. Paul said, I pray that God would always give you high standards, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you would keep a high standard of what you find acceptable in your life. Let excellence be your standard. Let excellence govern every area of your life. Let excellence govern your relationship with God. Let excellence govern your personal growth. What, hey, what do you demand of yourself as far as your personal growth? Physically? Yes, that's part of it. What about emotionally? What about mentally? What did you do to challenge yourself mentally this week? What about spiritually? What do you do to challenge yourself? Oh, <laughs> then you need to approve things that are excellent. Excellence in, in personal growth. Excellence in your attitudes. It says of Daniel that he had an excellent spirit. What does that mean? It means he had an excellent attitude. All the, I'll tell you what I want for the people of Northeast Baptist Church is for us to have excellence in our attitudes, our spirit. None, none of this. And, and as I've prayed for uh, the Laffineers this morning, I thought, man, here's while, while so many Christians are bogged down in suspicion and accusation and, and criticism, and I mean, it's rampant. And, and social media has just taken it to a whole another level because now you don't have to look somebody in the face to slice them into pieces you can you can do it in it's crazy in what you believe is a private world but that's very very public but you don't have to have the backbone to look somebody in the eye and say i think you're a skunk you can go on social media and say well certain people that do certain things are skunks well, congratulations. You just found a way to cause discord among the brethren without having to have the backbone to look somebody in the eye. By the way, time out. And this is the truth before God. That's not aimed at anybody. I, if, if somebody in this room sliced up somebody else in this room this week or this month, I'm not aware of it. It's the whole mess I'm addressing here this morning. I, let's not fall into that. Let's be of an excellent Spirit, approve things that are excellent. Excellence in your service for the Lord. Excellence in your personal holiness. Excellence in doctrine. Excellence in conduct. And i I gotta, I got to address this, folks, because I have to make sure that we understand who we are as, as, as God's people in this church. Okay? Again, I don't, I don't know that there's any kind of issue like this. I just want to make sure that we are all on the same page as a, as a local body of believers. We do not believe that it is acceptable for a Christian to drink. Now, if you have a drinking problem, that is different. We, we want to help you, and we can help you. And by the way, you can sit right here and battle through that and... I'm not saying nobody cares. Nobody has a problem with that. I'm talking about Christians promoting drinking. Can I hit something that, and I know there's a number of people in this room 
that either before you were saved or when you were a, a, a younger Christian. I don't know of anybody that has done this recently, and I don't care if you, if you do, but, but I'm going to hit this just because all of a sudden this has become the new banner of Christian liberty, tattoos. Now, I'm not making this up. I actually listen every week to a, a personality who is very big in the pop culture church. And tattoos, getting a new tattoo is like the banner that he waves to prove, hey, I'm a Christian, I can do what I want. So, and by the way, the dude's very popular. If I said his name, 50% or more of you would recognize his name. Very popular in the pop culture move, uh, Christian church movement. And he's promoted, very influential, he's promoting this idea of, hey, got a new tattoo last month, I think I'll get another one next month. Because I'm saved, and hey, it doesn't matter what you do. Listen, again, I I know there's a number of people in the room that have tattoos. I am, you know, you know good and well I'm not getting on you. I'm talking about this philosophy, this idea that doesn't matter what you do. And even to take it a step further, I'm going to do this just to stick it in the face of other people. That I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to define the Christian life the way I want to define it. And you know good and well that that is not the spirit of Christianity presented to us in the Bible. That ye may approve things that are excellent in your conduct. Third, he said, that ye may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. I'm going to wind it down for sake of time here. But he said, number three, I pray that God would give you a pure heart and life. That you may be sincere. What is that? Sincere is right motives. It's a lot more than that, but that's a real good way to summarize that. Right motives. That you may be sincere and without offense. What's that? That's right actions. Till when? Till Jesus comes back. Paul says, my prayer for you folks, and I'm saying to you, my prayer for you, and I hope your prayer for me is... That you keep a pure heart, right motive, sincere heart, and to have right actions till Jesus comes again. Can I say, my desire for every person in this room without exception. Number one, that you go to heaven. But if, if you know you're going to heaven, my second desire for you is that you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And Jesus says, well done. Well done. Good job. Cut, cut. My feeling is... Maybe I'm taking up too much responsibility. My feeling is, as your pastor, as your spiritual shepherd, if you fail, I failed. I want, and I want you to be happy. And I want to hear the Lord tell you, enter into the joy of thy Lord. And so my prayer, and, and Paul's prayer, he said, I pray. Basically, I'm rewording here. I pray that when Jesus comes back, he'll find you among those who are living for him with all their hearts. Number four, and we're done. He said, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Now, anything that is righteousness that comes to us through Jesus Christ. That's why he says, which are by Jesus Christ. But don't miss the word fruits. Because fruit implies that a seed has been sown. Now, I don't, we, we don't have time to John 15 and me to lay it out, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, 
Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. He bears through fruit through us. So it is all through Jesus Christ. But listen, anybody who teaches you that fruits of righteousness requires nothing of you is a liar and is twisting and, and misinterpreting the Bible, whether on purpose or not, I don't know, but I can tell you they're preaching error. If you're going to have fruits of righteousness, it requires something of you. If you are going to produce fruits of righteousness, it's all through Jesus Christ. He's the vine, you're the branches, I'm the branches. But it requires something of us. What is that something? Well, Romans 6 says... That righteousness is a lifestyle of obedience. Abiding in Christ is not just happy thoughts and happy feelings. Abiding in Christ is a relationship that reveals itself in obedience. Now, I don't know God's will for your life. I don't know all of God's will for your life, but I know that God says... This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. I don't know all of God's will for your life, but I pray that you'll know the blessing that comes with obedience in living in God's word. I don't know all of God's will for your life, but I do know that the Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint, Luke 18.1. I pray that you'll know the blessing that comes with the obedience of prayer. I don't know all of God's will for your life, but I do know that God says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I pray that you'll know the blessing that comes with the obedience of faithful church attendance. I don't know all of God's will for your life, but I do know that God says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And so I pray that you'll know the blessing that comes with obedience and tithing and giving offerings. I don't know all of God's will for your life, but I do know that God says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I pray that you'll know the blessing that comes with the obedience of spreading the gospel and winning the lost. Paul said, I pray for four things. Number one, that you would grow in love. Number two, I pray that God would give you high standards, excellence in every area of your Christian life. Third, he said, I pray that God would give you a pure heart and life. And fourthly, he said, I pray that you would enjoy the blessings of obedience.